Are you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you, the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Today, my featured guest is Gene Monterostelli. He is a Brooklyn-based practitioner who works with small business owners to eliminate self-sabotage and take the action they want by clearing the resistance that's holding them back. Startup Nation, did I just poke you? Is that you? Do you suffer, suffer with resistance? Maybe it looks like, I don't know, that P word, procrastination. We're going to get into it today in our conversation with Gene. And, and this guy he coaches you know, business owners to get past procrastination and other limiting beliefs that really just hold them back in what they want for their life. So pay attention, grab your pen and paper, take notes. You know I bring on great guests. They are masters in their specific discipline, and they also struggle in their specific discipline. So in other words, they're human, just like you and I. He hosts the Tapping Q&A podcast, and you can find him at Tapping, the letter Q, and A. So tappingqna.com. And Gene, welcome to your first 100K. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? You know, uh, I, I think it's pretty accurate. The thing that I just recognize in my own life is that whenever I haven't been taking action, that there is a really good, and we'll put good in quotes when we say that, reason why I haven't been doing that. And, you know, the work that I do just started from my own journey, trying to figure out why I wasn't doing the things that I wanted to do consistently. And I just get to spend every single day helping people create the thing that they really want to create, that I work with lots of people who have really awesome visions and take something and they put it on their to-do list and they just copy it from day to day to day to day and they never get to that really important task. And I found in my own life that the three most valuable tasks on my to-do list on any given day are more important than the rest of the to-do list combined for me really moving forward and being successful. And so once I figured that out in my own life, I just wanted to be in a circumstance to help people do the exact same thing. Mm, that's so powerful. So we're going to get into that because that just, you just addressed 90%, I think, of entrepreneurs out there mm -hmm. easily, uh, where we just continue to push off um, the very action that's needed to get us that specific result that we're looking for. Yeah. And we know we're putting it off and we then feel guilt around it. And then we feel shame the longer we push that goal off. And then we're even less likely to get to it because it's been so long and we broke our word. We broke our commitment to ourselves, to others. So there's like 
so much dysfunction, uh, you know, emotional dysfunction around procrastination. So uh, we're going to get into that. But first, before we do, go ahead and share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Um, Make well, it vulnerable. Make vulnerable. It like, like just, I don't know, embarrassing or humiliating. What do you got? I don't know, because you know, like so much of the things that are real struggles for me are things that just kind of live on front street in the work that I do. And I'm constantly sharing that with folks, you know, like I am, I am super dyslexic and because I am super dyslexic and before I hired an editor, um, someone who just kind of stormed their way into my life saying you were being unprofessional in the way that you were sharing stuff, um, that I was consistently putting out content into the world that had a different meaning than I intended mm. because spell check told me this is the word that it was supposed to be. And so I've had, I've had all sorts of just really amazing professional gaffes and things that I've printed, things that have been online, things that have been on slides when I've been giving presentations. Um, fortunately, none of them have been, um, too dangerous or profane in the things that accidentally showed up. But there are certainly things where I have been conveying meaning that I did not intend because it is something that is always a part of my life. And fortunately, I now have much more support to help me do things in a more professional way as it's showing up. But that's, mm. that, those are the places that I end up most embarrassed the most. Listen, I don't suffer from dys dyslexia, yet I suffer from the exact same thing you just described, just from a different lens, so to speak, mm -hmm. which is for years, I put out content that I thought was aligned with my intention, mm -hmm. but was being received by the world with a completely different meaning. Startup Nation, is that you? Do you struggle with that? Are you misinterpreted? Are you misunderstood? Are you falsely accused sometimes? I know I am, Gene, does that happen? It, it does, and um, the, the beautiful thing is, is that as I've learned in growing my business, my goal is galvanizing an audience. Like when I'm putting things out into the world, I want to do one of two things. I either want to draw you towards me or I want to drive you away from me because it's an issue of fit. And when the person who is the wrong fit for me is critiquing my presentation, is critiquing my worldview, is critiquing the tool set that I'm offering, that's actually a really good thing. Because if you're the wrong fit for me, I am doing you a service and I'm doing me a service by saying something in such a way that is pushing you away from me because then you're going to go find the tool, then you're going to go find the fit, then you're going to find the person who actually works best with you. And I am so happy when that happens because when I've done a bad job of communicating and I've connected with the wrong person, and it's been a really long time since this has happened, but embarrassingly enough, I've had clients on my schedule where I saw them on my schedule and I'm like, oh gosh, I have to talk to this person today because they had said yes to an offer that I had made and I had done a bad job of communicating and I had done a bad job of presenting who I was clearly and authentically and created a bad fit inside of that. And so like, mm -hmm. if people want to say stuff about my work, I'm okay with that. Like people have opinions about my work and my disposition and more for me when I have failed, it's because I've done a bad job of showing up and I've created the wrong fit with a client where it's just not good for either of us in the engagement that we're in. Mm. 
That's powerful. There's so much we could dig into, but I really want to get into your entrepreneurial story here. So let's look at your, your, your business, your current business right now, tapping Q and a first off, it's intriguing. What the heck is, Oh, we're talking about when we're talking about tapping. So really dive into that. Um, and define it along the way, but but start us out. When did you start this company? Yeah. What was what was the the pain that you were trying to solve? Uh, who were you doing it for? And yeah. then uh, you know, just kind of walk us through, paint us a picture of that story. Yeah. So so this business is an accidental business. It's not one I even wanted to start. Um, so in my early thirties, um, I was in a circumstance where social anxiety was crippling my life. Um, I could stand on stage in front of thousands of people, and it was as easy as breathing. Um, I mean, there have been multiple circumstances where I've got to speak and perform in front of more than 25,000 people. And it was a piece of cake. It was enjoyable. And then at the time, I was living in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'd fly back to Baltimore, and I'd get on the shuttle bus. And the way that it worked at the Baltimore airport was you just rode the shuttle bus, and you said stop. And the bus driver would stop, and you'd get off. And I couldn't say the word stop. And I would literally ride the shuttle bus until someone else said stop. And then I'd walk however far it was back to my car, even if it was multiple levels. Um, I couldn't answer my own phone. I couldn't get help in a store. And fear and anxiety is something that grows over time. Something goes wrong. And so you're afraid of it. So the next time I go into it, I'm afraid of it. And because of confirmation bias, I notice all the things that went wrong. So I had this microdose of fear. And so each time I keep doing these things in microscopic ways, the fears get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's how someone can end up agoraphobic and locked inside of their house. It typically isn't a single event, but it's something that grows over time that puts them in that particular position. And so that was happening with my social anxiety. And so the summer I was 33, it got to the point where I was now making choices that was hurting other people. I was promising to help people, like making phone calls and supporting them in their work. Some of them were really deep vocational things that were big, important things. And I was lying to them about the support I was giving them. And that was kind of the rock bottom moment. It was one thing that I was making my life uncomfortable. It was another thing when I was hurting the people that I loved. And so I started looking for solutions. And I found this wacky thing called tapping. Um, Tapping is an acupressure modality. It's like an acupuncture, but instead of sticking needles into the point, you're just tapping on them with two fingers. Um, and really amazing things happens when you use this tool. That we can, we have multiple scientific studies have shown that simply by tapping on these points, we can see cortisol levels dropping in our bloodstream. We can see cortisol levels dropping in saliva. We instantly flight or fight. But what's more provocative is when we do that, we also have the opportunity to change what is going on in the subconscious mind, and we get to transform the beliefs we have about the world. And so something like fear, fear is great. It's awesome. I'm afraid of lions. But if I never left my apartment here in Brooklyn because there's one four and a half miles away in the Central Park Zoo, that is a disproportionate fear. Or if I'm in my kitchen and I see a mouse and I jump on the table and I scream like a five-year-old, that's a misinformed fear because there's no real danger. And so when we're doing this particular tool set, not only do we calm ourselves down, but through something called memory consolidation, we get the opportunity to go in and change the limiting belief in the subconscious mind that is disproportionate or misinformed. So for me, yeah. Let me jump in there. So first off, I've heard of tapping. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you presented it was very logical, by the way. And, uh, and with your personal story, you were in a very debilitating place in your life. Yeah. Like it was impacting not just your work life, 
but your personal life, like, I mean, the train story that, or the bus story, sorry. Yeah. Like just, just that. And, and I'm laughing, not in a, a way of making fun, but in like how ridiculous are some of the things our brain comes up with as solutions yeah. to fear? Like, oh, I'll just stay on the bus until it goes four miles out of the way and yeah. somebody else says stop and and then I'll I'll take on that, you know, like mess up my whole schedule, everything. Like that is that's so powerful. Um, and I think for some of our listeners right now, there's someone listening right now that is in that exact state of fear stacking. And, mm -hmm. and I like the way you said it. It was like little insignificant fears start to become bigger fears and you stack them until they become these massive roadblocks in your life. So you felt the need to start this business. And my next question was, okay, you can tap on different areas, points mm -hmm. on the human body for yourself and drop your cortisone levels, et cetera. So have physiological results or, or mm -hmm. shifts. Can you do it for someone else? Like, for example, if my boss is yelling at me, can I just mm -hmm. tap him on the head somewhere and boom, all of a sudden he's not? No. We, so so for, for the tool set to work, the person who is doing the tapping needs to be turned in, tuned into the issue that is going on. Mm -hmm. But... When we are in a circumstance where we're dealing with someone else, the thing that we can do is we can change the way that we emotionally set up to any relationship we have in our lives. And all of our relationships are co-creations. And so if I show up in a different way, by necessity, the relationship changes because it's a co-creation. I'll give you an example from Perfect. my family. I was going to ask so, personal yeah. story, how you shifted a relationship using. So, and, and so this is actually a story of my sister. Um, I was out visiting my sister in Portland, Oregon. She was having trouble with a coworker. We spent 45 minutes one Saturday afternoon tapping on this particular relationship, going through a tool that we do talk about, talk to talk as if you talk about the relationship, you imagine you're talking to the person you imagine you are the other person, just three seats, giving three different opportunities to look at it, clearing any of the emotional charge that we have. Monday morning, she is in at work about 930 in the morning, coworker stands up, slams everything that she owns into a cardboard box, slam tapes, a resignation letter to the boss's door and storms out. Now, my sister did not tap her out the door. But my postulation is because my sister showed up in an emotionally more clear, emotionally grounded place, coworker went from, I have a conflict with someone else to I'm in the wrong spot and I need to go somewhere else. And maybe as ungracefully as her departure was, that might've been the only way that she could have gotten out of a circumstance that was really bad for her because it was something to create that break. But because my sister showed up in a way that was emotionally different, it gave her coworker space to see the world in a slightly different way because that relationship had slightly different. And that created the opening that was big enough for her to make a bold choice. And so when we show up differently, we give the people in our lives the opportunity to do the same. Now that doesn't mean we're responsible for their choices and it doesn't mean I can make someone act in another way, but even if you don't change the way that you're acting, if I show up in a less emotionally charged way, 
that interaction is going to go better for me, even if there is conflict, because I am more grounded and I'm less likely to have a disproportionate emotional response to the conversation that we're having at a moment. Mm, I so get that. Let's get into the money game. How do you monetize this, right? You're doing six mm -hmm. figures plus with yep. this practice. And I'm guessing it may occur at first blush when someone hears about tapping and you yep. tap on your head or whatever and tap on others and that it sounds a little woo-woo. It mm -hmm. sounds, right? And you've heard it all and you've heard the objection. Yeah. So how do you, how did you monetize this getting going? Yep. How did you get people to believe in you, to believe in your, this discipline yep. and then to uh, pay you for it? Yep. So the first thing is people don't care about modality. People care about results. Like I often, I often say I could tell my clients to stand on their left foot, cross their eyes and hum, God save the queen. And if they, if we have rapport and they believe in me, they're going to do the things that I ask. Now, if it isn't helpful, I'm going to break rapport and they're not going to move forward. So the way that I build a business is I talk about the before and after. I talk about these are the things that you were struggling with. If you change this, you know, I mean, if you simply took the three most important actions that were on your to-do list every single day from an emotionally clear place, your business would explode because you know what those things are and either you're not doing them or you're not doing them in a full out authentic way, which allows you to reap the best rewards from those things. And by stacking those things on top of each other over and over and over again. And so I just have a conversation with folks to help them to understand the fact that this is where you are and this is why you're stuck. You know, what I, what I, what I spend a lot of time doing is I spend a lot of time helping my clients to justify their failures. And when I say justify their failures, I'm not saying I'm letting you off the hook, but I'm explaining to you the reason why what you have been doing hasn't been working. You know, for example, you know, the, the common refrain that I hear from people all of the time when I'm working with my clients are salespeople are sleazy. And if I sell stuff, I'm going to be sleazy. And so if I could help you to eliminate that limiting belief and change that limiting into belief into sales as service. I truly believe in the thing that I have to offer. And if I found a book that I thought would be helpful to you, I'd send you an email and I'd give you a recommendation. Me selling a product to you is absolutely no different. The thing I'm offering you, I think will really make your life better. And I can offer it from a place of service. And when I show up in that way, my business is going to be successful. And so the way I get people engaged and I sell them into working with me is I can, I help them to understand that. Once they understand that arc of transformation, I'm not taking action. I need to uncover the limiting beliefs and the stories that I'm telling myself and the resources of my subconscious mind that are not true, that are preventing me from taking action. I transform those beliefs into things that are true. And then authentic action comes naturally out of that. Once I have a conversation with someone like that, they don't really care about the modality because I have a track record and I'm speaking their language and they're nodding their head and they're like, yes, that is the thing that I want. Now, if I made those promises and didn't get results, then I might have a lot of one-off sales, but I wouldn't have a lasting business. That as I get the social proof, as I have clients coming back again and again, as I have clients telling other people, you know, that story he just told, that's actually the arc of transformation that I went through. That is how you have a business that is sustainable. Mm. So what I'm hearing you say is that one, it takes time to build a business mm -hmm. and it takes results, getting results for your clients, right? 
often and regularly to the point where they start bragging about you mm-hmm. in a way to people they know, which then probably would feed some referrals to you, et cetera. And the business just starts to build that momentum mm-hmm. where it starts to pull you, right? And for so many of my listeners right now, they're in a place where they just can't get to that momentum place. Mm-hmm. What's missing for them, in your opinion? Why can't they cross that threshold with their clients and hit the six-figure mark plus or the seven-figure mark? So I I think that oftentimes when people, from a practical point of view, when people have a goal, six figures for the year, you know, so what's that, $8,000 a month-ish, is they think in terms of, I want to make $100,000 in sales. I, in my sales goals, I never have a sales goal that is longer than two weeks. So I take whatever my sales goal is for the year and I break it down into a month and I break it down into something that is much more discreet because the way that I make a year's worth of sales is one sale at a time. And I think that people are trying to fill their practice all at once when instead it's what can I do in a short period of time to sell a high ticket package to an individual? And as I do that, a couple of things happens. One is I get some cash flow, which is really, really awesome. Two is I get to make a difference by doing work that I love. Three is I get the laboratory of selling to an individual where I get to learn how I can present the work that I'm doing in a more consistent, coherent way. So the next time I make the offer, I'm better at making that particular offer. Four is I work with a client and I get an opportunity to working from that client to recognize, oh, I can actually enhance or transform my offer to be something that is more useful. Like, Before we got in the air, I mentioned the fact I was a computer scientist. Well, the thing that I learned from coding computers in the 80s and 90s, where there was very limited computing power, where you'd literally write code, send it off to a compiler, it would then kick air messages back to you. It wasn't something that happened in real time, was I learned how to do micro experiments all the time. And, 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 and for an experiment to be a real experiment, you have to have a, th- a thesis, you have to have an outcome, and it needs to be measurable. And so in my business, I'm just doing micro experiments all of the time. I think this thing is going to work. I'm going to try it with two or three people and then going to evaluate my resources, my results to see what happened. And then I'm going to tweak so I can then go do it again. And so for me, you know, if you look at the arc of the offerings that I have made over the last decade, they've transformed a lot because I went from a generalist to someone who was working inside of a niche. I went from charging from hours to charging for packages. I went from talking about modality to talking about results. And so they were things that incrementally came along the way. I did not show up with a fully formed high ticket package offer. And I offered the thing that I could. And then as I offered the thing that I could, I reevaluated it. Great. How can I do this in a way that is more effective for my clients, that is more profitable for me, that takes less of my time and energy to deliver those clients to my clients? Is it something that is leverage? Am I adding digital assets to it and not just giving people time? Like, and just, so it's been Like I'm constantly evolving, you know, as we are doing this recording right now, I have this little micro funnel experiment that is going on in someone else's list. And if I lose a little money on it, I'm going to be totally okay with that because this is a thousand dollar experiment that's going to teach me lots of things and how I go forward in some of my marketing efforts for the next year. And so that is the way I'm constantly thinking about things in my business 
to grow it into something that is sustainable and moving forward in a way that is thoughtful and deliberate. Mm. Startup Nation, there's a lot to unpack there. Play this, replay this recording, replay this interview. Gene just dropped a lot of wisdom, in my opinion. Um, my favorite line, I went from talking about my modality to talking about results with my clients. That is going to cause a massive, massive shift, Startup Nation, in your business taking off. Massive. I made the same mistake, right? Just talking about, here's what I do. Here's how I do it. Blah, 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 blah. Me, 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 myself, and I. And when you make that shift, uh, it's really listening to the client. What's going on in your life? What are you struggling with? And then telling them the results you're going to help them get. So really speaking future-based, here's how you're going to show up now, right? Here's how your life's going to look after you start working with me. Right there, they close themselves as far as the sale is concerned because you're helping them to picture their future self, their self without the problem, right? A life without the problem. So Gene, I think it's brilliant. Let's get uh, real and then we got to close out because time just moves on this show, man. You're yep. dropping some really powerful wisdom here. What are your top three tips and strategies uh, for my listener right now who is in that place of um, just they can't get over their, you know, 50K a year, 80K a year. They, they're just struggling. It's like they feel like they, plat they plateaued. Um, they're still getting the resistance uh, mm -hmm. in their sales conversations. They don't know how to get past it. What are your top three tips or strategies for them to hit their 100K this year? What do you got? So and, and it doesn't, it's not even three. It is one. This single one thing changed my business. I wish I had the old web traffic stats that I could show you when it happened. I don't have access to those anymore. It wasn't this linear thing. Like there was a jump when I started doing this one thing. Um, I tapped for my to-do list. And so we talked about tapping a little bit earlier. It's awesome for clearing resistance. Basically, the process is really, really simple. I sit down in the morning and I look at my to-do list and I see the first task on my to-do list and I, I close my eyes and I imagine myself doing that task. If there is any resistance or emotional charge or anything going on inside of my body, I pay attention to that. And so maybe there's butterflies in my stomach, maybe there's a tightness in my neck. And I just ask the physical sensation and I don't try and intellectually figure this out because we are notoriously bad eyewitnesses to our own experience. I ask the physical sensation, what's going to go wrong if I do this thing? And then I ask that sensation, what proof does it have that that thing is going to go wrong? Oftentimes, it is misinformed, disproportionate things that just simply aren't true. And then for me, I use tapping. You can use any tool set that you want that you use to clear your limiting beliefs, to change your subconscious mind. And I clear that thing. And then I go on to the next thing on my to-do list and the next thing on my to-do list. And some things, there's nothing. Like, you know, getting on a call with you today was on my to-do list. There was absolutely no resistance to that because I've listened to the show. I knew it was going to be a great conversation. It was easy to jump on Zoom. We'd be fine. There are other things on my to-do list that there might be a little hesitation. I have a video sales letter that I need to send to an individual that is someone who has some real status in the world, not just my industry. And it's, it's someone I'm an acquaintance of. I have an awesome entry into. And there's a part of me going, oh boy, I got to get this thing right. And when I looked at that this morning, there was 
This is a single opportunity. If it passes you by, you're going to miss all of this stuff. And then I'm working my tool set. It's like, no, they're actually a human on the other side of this. They are not some wielder of power. And I can speak to them in a way that is authentic, that offers them something useful. And they might say yes, and they might say no, but I can live with that as long as I show up authentically. Going through a process like that, now everything on my to-do list is emotionally clear. And I choose the thing that is most valuable first, because we always choose the highest value task on our to-do list that is emotionally safe. And oftentimes the really valuable things are not emotionally safe because they have stakes. Not like I'm going to be hated, but if someone says no, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to miss opportunity. And so by going through a process like that, everything is emotionally safe, which means I choose the highest value things first. And when I started doing this, I would be emotionally clear for like 90 minutes. But in those 90 minutes, I did the highest value things. So it didn't matter if fear came creeping back in because everything that was left in my to-do list was things I could have done. And so doing that one thing helped me to show up in a way where I was just consistently showing up. And as you know, as a small business owner, it's about consistently showing up authentically so that when the person is ready to take action, I am the person that's the front of their mind. Yes, I do launches. Yes, I try and put myself in front of people. And if I show up consistently when they're ready, I am too. And so by persistently doing those high value tasks first, it just, it builds and it grows because I'm doing the right things, the most valuable things, the clearest things. Startup Nation, I invite you to imagine yourself doing your top three tasks consistently every single day. Imagine what your life will look like. Imagine what your business will look like. Imagine, as Gene said, imagine your numbers spiking. Imagine getting results that you only dreamed about when you start to visualize yourself doing the task to emotionally clear out all the fear, all the noise, and then just pick what is the most valuable task I can do today. What's going to put the biggest dent or impact in what I'm up to in the world? What is that thing? And get to an emotionally clear place, take that action, imagine yourself doing that every day five days a week, and what results you will get from that. How is that going to impact your family when you start just winning big in your business? When you start to see the dollar signs just increasing or doubling, for example, how, how is that going to change the way you show up when you get home every day? When you get home to your spouse and you grab your kids, feeling accomplished. That's what we want for you. Gene and I, so Gene Monterostelli, you can find him at tappingqna.com. The link is in the show notes. Gene, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? Absolutely. I love when I said the hustle round, you just grinned from ear to ear. Like, well, I, I, I've, I've listened to the show. I know what's coming. Like, I, I love this sort of stuff, you know? And, and, and what I love is, is your different guests, like there's, there's two different responses to this. There's like, oh no, or there's like, oh yeah. And I, I, am, I am in that second group. Let's do this. I love this sort of thing. I love it. I saw like the little boy in you come out like, ooh, an adventure. Let's go. Yep. That's great. Okay. So what's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur or uh, being in the business that you absolutely love doing and helping clients? 
I love the fact that I get to help people who I would never be able to reach because my clients have tool sets and dispositions and access and worldview. And so the work that I get to do is I get to take people who do something they love and amplify it so that they are successful and it transforms even more people. And so it, it gets to be this amazing rippling effect that I'm creating, I'm creating resilience and platforms for really amazing people to stand on so they can transform the audience that they're supposed to be transforming and getting to do it in a way that is completely unnoticed in the background to any of those people, but knowing that that's happening in the world. Wow. Awesome. All right. Next question. Three seconds this time. Okay. What's your, what's your least favorite thing about, uh, about doing work? what you do? Yeah. Um, some of the administrative tasks that just take up too much time that aren't creating transformation in the world, but are necessities. Yeah. That's a big one. What are you most afraid of? Um, I am most afraid of presenting myself in a way that is inauthentic that creates expectations for someone else that are unmanageable because I didn't show up as my true self. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our lives, right? It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently struggling with either professionally or personally? Human interaction, human contact. Um, I live in New York City. Um, I, I, I live in Brooklyn. Um, all that is going on in the world is hard. Um, I went 11 and a half weeks without not touching another human being at one point in the middle of all of this. Mm. Um, I literally had a dream one night that I gave someone a hug. That's how erotic my dreams were. I gave someone a hug. My, my, my Roomba isn't super cuddly. It does a really good job. It's a really quiet roommate, but it just doesn't, yeah. What did, <laughs> that was good. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in this business? Uh, looking at my download and website stats. As a podcaster, I get that for yep. sure. I had to let go of that temptation early on. Yeah. And just remember, I am speaking to one person. And if I can help them shift one area of their life, man, it's worth putting in all that energy that it takes Absolutely. to do this show, just as you know, right? Impact does not equate to numbers. No, it does not. Uh, what secret fear do you have about people secret fear i have about people um I mean, this goes back to my social anxiety that i'm taking up their time and i shouldn't be there like when i was dealing with my social anxiety the way it showed up is i just felt like someone's kid brother that was tagging along that everybody else was tolerating like a third and wheel absolutely yeah and so i just i just i don't want to be taking up other people's space and time if they don't want me around and i fear that i am not good enough to be warning their time well gene i like you Thank you. And I value your time and you spending time with us today. So just want to put that out there, my friend. What, what do you wish you had learned sooner in business? Um, time is a zero-sum game. And if I'm going to take on a new project, I have to take something off of my plate in order for me to be successful. Stop changing, ch chasing shiny, shiny objects. You know, there are a million great ideas. Pick three of them and do them well. There you go. Uh, what's a new habit you want to create in your life? Um, I am currently working on um, spending a little time every single day with a deck of cards in my hand, 
Um, I, I'm work, one of the things that quarantine has given me the opportunity. So I'm a juggler. I'm not a magician. I do card tricks. I, I just, I want to just, and it's, and I just love people being entertained. I love being in a circumstance where we're stuck somewhere and like it's three hour layover somewhere and just being able to go, Hey, let me make you smile for 37 seconds. Um, and so my, the habit I'm working on is my card mechanics. That's so cool. Fun intention. What's a bad habit you want to break? Um, Reese's peanut butter cup minis wall watching crap TV at night. I alternate between a white chocolate one and the regular chocolate one that have the little Reese's peanuts in the peanut butter and little Reese's pieces in the peanut butter. I line them up four and four and eat them one at a time. And I just, myself and my doctor are in agreement that this is something that needs to stop. I love that you literally just like hit one of my listeners in between the eye where they went, that's me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He said the exact thing I do. That's awesome. Yeah. Pick, the one. Pick, pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, spontaneous, focused, and playful. Yeah. I see that about you. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in this business. Um, hopeful. Um, we'll make over eager a single word and, um, I don't know. That's it. Like, that's where I was I, I, uh, naive, naive. Yes. And last question. If you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything, life, eternity, all of it. Yeah. What would you say to them? I'm going to pretend that this is one piece of advice. It's really two. say yes more. Have your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Mm. Could you imagine what the world looked like if we all did that? Yeah. Like, you know, it, it is the single greatest lesson that online dating in New York City has taught me. <laughs> I get that from a personal note from my single life. Uh, and uh, any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about making their first 100,000 plus this year? What do you got? Yeah. The reason that you're not taking action right now is because of a hidden resistance that is trying to keep you safe, that is misinformed and disproportionate. If you can take that hidden resistance and bring a little truth to it, you, will take, you won't be careless. You won't be thoughtless. You won't be reckless. You will take more action in a thoughtful way. Now, if one of my listeners really likes you, likes the way mm -hmm. you showed up just now, and they don't know what that thing is that's blocking them, but yep. they want someone with an outside perspective to see that for them. Uh, maybe yourself, where do they go to find out more or get in touch with you? What do you have for them? I know you have a gift for them. So yeah. So, so if you go to tappingqna.com slash 100K, um, I actually have this really awesome live training where I spend 30 minutes explaining my exact process of how I get to the root cause of procrastination. And then for the next 90 minutes, it is me working one-on-one -on -one with clients, showing you exactly how to do the process. The really beautiful thing is if you share the same resistance as the person I'm working with, you can work the protocol in the moment and clear your resistance as you watch me on tape working with someone else. Um, it's 119 minutes of goodness that I absolutely love, and it's easy to use absolutely free. 
Startup Nation, go get your 109 minutes of goodness at tappingqna.com forward slash 100K. Gene, thank you for being on the show. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, my friend. You as well, sir. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Cheers. Startup Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your business without building faith in your business. If you want to have that conversation on the faith side of things, go check out my other podcast called Broken Catholic. On that show, I interview all different guests about why the world isn't working right now. Plus, I tackle unspeakable topics that you may secretly struggle with but won't admit. We got to get your faith right to get your business right. Go to BrokenCatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.